Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. You know, here we are in these weeks leading up to Christmas, and we want to unwrap why we do what we do in terms of the traditions and celebrations surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. We want to focus on the, the why behind the what and allow our celebrations to, to intentionally reflect our faith and not just be something we go through the motions for and, and allow them to be even tools to point ourselves and others to the true meaning behind Christmas which, as we reminded you last week, celebrates the birth of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, who Philippians tells us, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is why we're here as a church. I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple, really, and it's why we do what we do, why we make, in fact, a big deal out of the Christmas season. Last week, we looked at our, our decorations, not just here in our church, but in terms of what, the kinds of things that we do in our decorations, in our homes, and in our community. And we looked at the meaning of things like greenery and Christmas trees, the colors red and green, and so much more that actually have Christian meanings if we understand them. Know them. If you missed that, if you weren't a part of that, you can go to our, our app. Down, if you don't have our app yet, you can download it off of the, the iTunes or the Google Store or uh, our Facebook page and watch it there. We unwrapped much last week of what we see around us at Christmas, and today we want to unwrap much of what we hear. Christmas carols like this. Christmas is the greatest day in the whole wide world. Please stop talking to me. Uh-oh. Sounds like someone needs to sing a Christmas carol. No way. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Thanks, but I don't sing. Oh, it's easy. It's just like talking, except louder and longer, and you move your voice up and down. I can sing, but I just choose not to sing, especially in front of other people. Well, if you sing alone, you can sing in front of other people. There's no difference. Actually, there's a big difference. No, th no there isn't. Wait. I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing, I'm in a store, and I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. See? Well, I think there probably is singing not only at the North Pole, but singing as a part of what we do at Christmas, our carols. The word carol comes from the, the French word carola, or the Latin word carola, which means uh, originally a circular dance. It was literally a dance form in which participants moved around in a circle as they sang the song, and it was, it was very festive and, and um, typically enjoyed by, by regular folks versus the upper crust. Though over time, fairly quickly, the dance part faded out, but people kept singing. Uh, 
In 129 AD, a Roman bishop asked that a carol called Angel's Hymn be sung at a Christmas service in Rome. And the next year, Pope Telephorus commanded that all Christian congregations sing Gloria in Excelsis Deo during Christmas services. Now, these two may have, in fact, been the first two church-endorsed Christmas carols, but they were kind of hard to sing uh, and only sung in worship services. In the 12th century, St. Francis of Assisi insisted carols be translated into the language of the people of the area, uh, wherever they were, versus being sung in Latin, because up to that point, everything in the, the church was in Latin, and a lot of people didn't speak Latin anymore. And this made being sung in their, own, in their own language made them more popular, and again, it felt like it was something that it belonged to the people. By the 1400s, carols were being sung in England by wassailers, people who entertained in the streets by visiting houses and singing together for a, a reward of gifts or food or, or, or drink. And this is where um, songs like the English carol, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, originated as the, the wealthy folks of the community gave treats to carolers on Christmas Eve, such as figgy pudding. I've never tried figgy pudding. Anybody here tried figgy pudding? I'm kind of a little nervous about it, but oh well. By the 1800s, particularly here in America, Christmas carols began to become widely sung in churches. And by 1843, when Charles Dickens wrote his famous A Christmas Carol, carols were the norm as a part of our celebrations. They were always a way that all of us, all Christians, could remember and celebrate Christmas and its true meaning in a way that really stuck with us. They're a way for us to claim the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, there's no way we can dig into all the carols there's so many of them, but this morning I, I just want to look at three of them that kind of walk us through some of this good news. One of the earliest written carols is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. If you were with us last week, we sang that. It was probably written in Latin in the 8th or ninth centuries by a monk or a nun. We, we don't actually know. In the mid-1800s, an Anglican priest named John Mason Neal found the poem and musical accompaniment in a very old book, and he translated it into English. If you look at the words, or if you're familiar with it, it really kind of serves as a prayer for both the first coming of Christ as well as the second coming. Grabbing hold of, of for the first coming, Israel's longing for the coming of a Messiah, something that was, that was across the, the, the world in the time before Jesus was born. But moving to the early church, it's yearning for the second coming of Christ and the establishment of his eternal kingdom where his rule will be absolute. The prophet Isaiah voiced Israel's hope for a Messiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and an angel reminded Jesus' father Joseph of this promise in Matthew chapter 1. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
And so this carol speaks of this yearning for Emmanuel's coming and the beginning of his gift of salvation. It begins, O come, O come, Emmanuel. His coming into our lives now as our Savior and his coming at some point in the future when his salvation will be complete. The carol, if you've sung it, if you know anything about music, it's kind of in a minor key, which can make it kind of sound dark, even sad. But when it rises to its chorus, calling us, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, it's, it's, there's more joy there. And, and, and we join in with the writer of this carol singing that, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel, or something like that. Yeah. Um, a favorite carol of many is, Hark, the herald angels sing. And I'm saying it that way for a very particular reason. Written by Charles Wesley, brother of John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, Charles was the author of several thousand hymns, and he wrote this a year after his conversion, and it was first published in 1739, and he, he wrote it with kind of a, a, a really somber melody. He thought all that music should be fairly somber. The melody we know today with Hark the Heralds was written by Felix Mendelssohn, who in fact was Jewish, who wrote it for secular purposes. But after the death of both of these gentlemen, an English organist named William H. Cummings combined Wesley's words with Mendelssohn's music, something that probably neither one of them actually would have appreciated, to give us the carol we know today. And many theologians have seen in this one carol, in fact, the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. The opening lines of this carol take us back to that heavenly announcement to the shepherds by an angel of the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, in the, the carol, the word hark, I mean, how many of you use hark as a part of your daily language? Go ahead. And let's just admit it. I saw one hand went up tentatively, but then it got pulled down real fast. It essentially means, hey, listen up. Hark. Hey, I got something to say. Listen. Now, I have to confess that for the longest time, I didn't really kind of get it. And a lot of these things, I don't know about y'all, but I began singing them very early. In fact, before I could even sometimes read. And I didn't pay attention to the punctuation. If you look at the punctuation of the song, it's hark with an exclamation point, followed by the herald angels sing. But I just kind of ran them together because of the tune. Hark, the herald angels sing like it was their name or something. I don't, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I never quite figured it, figured it out until I saw and understood the punctuation. A herald, just so we're clear, was an official messenger. And I, I've, yet I've kind of often thought of it as in terms of herald 
trumpets. I don't know if you've seen those in medieval movies um, or certain armed force groups today use them, uh, and, and I guess there are others, but that's often the way these angels are depicted, as with herald trumpets. But we got to be honest, there is no reference to a herald trumpet in the biblical text. So while we may think of it that way and see it that way, and I'm not saying it's wrong, just simply saying that's, we don't have any evidence for that. The carol itself calls us to listen to the angels singing to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus. And who is this baby? The, this baby is the king who will bring peace between God and sinners. It says, God and sinners reconciled. And even though he's adored by the heavenly host, he willingly became, this Carol says, a man veiled in flesh. Veiled, covered in flesh here on earth. Wesley imagines Jesus as this helpless baby, yet one whom he calls us to hail, which is like cheering someone on. Some of you were able to do that for your football team yesterday. Some of you not so much. But hail because he is the prince of peace who brings light and life and healing to all. He erases the image of, of Adam in us, of our sinful selves, and forms the image of Christ in each believing heart. This carol not only celebrates the birth of Jesus, but it reminds us also of the, of the bigger picture that Jesus came to help us become increasingly like him through the power of his spirit. And for that, we glorify the newborn king. And what does this incredible gift heralded by the angels bring to us who, who recognize who he is? It brings joy. It brings joy. In fact, we're to sing joy to the world for the Lord is come. Joy to the world was published by Isaac Watts in 1719 based on the second half of Psalm 98, beginning in verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. By the way, if you ever are concerned about singing, just remember it says joyful noise. That's biblical, okay? You don't have to be on pitch. So anyway, uh, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, Watts said he was writing not a new paraphrase of David, but an imitation of him using New Testament language. He intended it to be a reflection of the psalm coming true in Jesus Christ and will be fulfilled when he comes again. The tune was placed to it years later by a Boston music educator named Lowell Mason and writ written by George Friedrich Handel. And many say it sounds like Handel's greatest work, The, the Messiah. The incredible joy of, of, 
the, the incredible carol of joy tells us to sing that at the moment of the birth of Jesus, God's promised son now is coming, coming into our lives and coming again into our create into creation. And we should prepare our hearts for him as all creation sings of his coming. This new king brings joy and, and, and will remove all sin and sorrow, and then he will let his blessings flow like a river as far as the curse is found. The curse here re- in, refers to sin introduced into the world with Adam's first sin and born into us all. Yet with the coming of Christ our Savior and King, he will, he will fix us and rule over all creation with truth and grace so that all the nations sing of the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Now, obviously, these three carols are just, I mean, they're just a handful of the many, many Christmas carols and new Christmas songs written to help us unwrap, to remember, and celebrate the birth of Christ. What we often maybe fail to remember or we overlook is that these works are all grounded in Scripture. And, and the historic carols carry with them the experience and affirmation of the church across the centuries. When we sing them, we aren't simply singing familiar songs. We're joining in with Christians across the years, affirming our faith, affirming our reasons for celebrating Christmas as more than a, a secular traditional holiday but a holy day in which God dramatically broke into human experience in the unlikely form of a baby. I mean, honestly, these carols are good theology based on and sometimes coming straight out of Scripture. In fact, there is such power in these carols that if you stop and you think about it, increasingly the the media avoids them, even the tunes, even the tunes for more generic Christmas holiday songs that kind of ambiguously point to a happy holiday season. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with secular Christmas songs. I enjoy those too. But, but let's realize that there is power in the historic carols and in the new Christmas songs that proclaim the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what's more, they give you and me an opportunity to discuss our faith with others when we hear them or we sing these carols because they point not to a myth but to a real event some 2,000 years ago that demonstrates God's great love for you, for me, in fact, for everyone that we encounter and his desire to bring us into his family. The Bible says, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I mean, I I think that is is such incredible good news that 
I hope you can't help but spread it to others. And, and our, our Christmas decorations and, and our carols, if you really think about it, are not just simply for us, but they are tools that we can use to share that with others. And then you have radio stations like KSBJ 89.3 FM who are playing nothing but Christmas music right now. And it has both the secular and the Christian. It's an opportunity, maybe even in your workplace, to play it and talk about it maybe with a, a, a coworker or a friend. Watch for doors that God opens up during this season for you to talk about the real Christmas story. And if it seems right, as you're talking to someone, invite them here for one of our Sunday services or invite them especially to our Christmas Eve services. Carols have power. They really do. And, and, and music has power. The carols have power, often in ways that we can't even put into words to impact us and those around us. Very interesting, from all accounts, true story occurred about five months into World War I on December 24th, 1914, on the muddy fields of the Western Front in Europe. Enlisted men and lower-level officers from both sides entered into an unofficial ceasefire. It made the news, as you can see. Most accounts say it began with the singing of carols. In fact, many accounts say that the Germans actually were singing Silent Night in German on their side of the line. And after they sang through it, the British on the other side of the line began to sing, sing Silent Night in English. And before long, as they began singing carols back and forth, men began to climb up out of the trenches, began to gather in the no man's land in between. Eventually, we're told the truce spread to much of the front line. In fact, it began on Christmas Eve, continued on Christmas Day, and in some places along the line, continued all the way up to New Year's Day. And, and during that time, the soldiers sampled each other's foods, took pictures, exchanged tobacco and gifts, and even played soccer on the battlefield. The truce did eventually end, and from several accounts, we know that generals on both sides were very upset about the truce and about the soldiers from both sides sharing that time together. But for a brief moment in time, singing carols and celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace turned enemies into friends. And if it can be done on the battlefield, don't you imagine it can probably be done just about anywhere? Unwrap the joy of Christmas this year with carols, with Christmas music. Celebrate, but also use it to share that good news with others. If you need to 
talk to someone this morning. Our prayer team will be down front, and they would, they'd love to share with you. A reminder, we'll be serving communion immediately after this service down in the Life Center. Um, and Christmas giving at Gateway is in the coffee shop on the stage and in front of the stage. We handed out last week the uh, Christmas at Gateway uh, readings that started yesterday, December 1st. Today, December 2nd, is Matthew chapter 1. And I tweeted some of the verses on my uh, thing this morning because it tells the story. And if you're looking for something to read during the month of December, it's a chapter or less each day. And they're, they're out there in the lobby. And we encourage you to, to pick those up. We also, as, as Jessica mentioned before, have the invitations that you can take with you. Uh, there's stuff on our app and on our Find It page and, and Facebook that you can use to make invitations through that. And there really are yard signs out there this week. I, I said they were coming last week. Some of you thought that meant they were already here. But no, they are here, and we want you to take them. We want, we want them all to be gone, okay? We have s- almost a 1,000, I think. So you need to take a yard sign or two and put them out there. Uh, if you're a guest today, as it was mentioned, I'll be out here with some friends. would love to say hello to you uh, this morning. But as we close, because we talked about carols, I, I want us to just sing one. I'm not asking the arts team or anybody else to come back up here. In fact, I'm going to try to start us off. But I want to, let's stand. I want us to sing Joy to the World. We're going to have the words up there. We're just going to sing it a cappella, okay? This is how you would sing it if you're going caroling, all right? So let's hope I hit a key that you can kind (laughs) of get close to. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. See, we told you this thing right there. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. See Genesis 3. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as far as the curse is found. He rules the world 
with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Yeah. May we all go forward today in the wonder of his love and share that good news. God bless you. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.